You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. The dots and a pass, but they score. Matthew Barzol. Yes, you're sad, yeah. You're sad. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Friday. Sweet, sweet, but cold Friday. It is Halford, it is rough, it is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good, 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 good morning. Oh, that's because he's chattering. His teeth are chattering. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in Hour 1 of the program. Hour 1 is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech, we got a big show on a Friday. Got a Canucks game, another win, naturally, to look back on. A bunch of guests. We have two giveaways today, so let's get to it. Uh, What's happening on the program? 6.30, Nick Shook, our good buddy, from NFL.com is going to join us ahead of wildcard weekend. I'm pretty excited about this weekend. It is so cold. It feels like we're living on the surface of the moon, which means you can't go outside. You're forced to stay inside. Mm-hmm. All the sporting activities uh, recreationally are going to be canceled this weekend because it's too cold. Right. You're going to sit inside and watch sports, specifically football, all weekend. Nick Shook's going to walk us through all the wildcard games. The uh, boy still has to go play hockey, unfortunately, so I have to take him to a couple of games. But one sport. They should, they should cancel hockey. They should. It's It'll be cool. one of those where uh, you're in the rink and you come outside and be like, it was warmer in the rink. <laughs> I miss the ice. <laughs> 6.30, Nick Shook from NFL.com is going to join us. 7 o'clock, it's AJ from AJ's Pizza. He's going to join us as he does every Friday here to set up what's going on at his shop over the weekend. We're also going to give away a $100 gift card to AJ's Pizza for the best Ask Us Anything. So, how that's going to work, you're going to text into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Ask us anything. A weekly occurrence on the Halford & Bruff show where the name says it all. We try and answer anything you might ask us. Ask us anything. Hashtag it A-U-A. Put a pizza emoji into your text. You'll be entered into the grand prize contest to win a $100 gift card to AJ's. Uh, 7.30, Moj is going to join us. 8 o'clock, Dollywall is going to join us. We're giving away tickets as well. Final day this week to the 32 Thoughts live show. That Two goes- giveaways? <laughs> A-Dog! You're, you're on fire. Is it? Are you on fire this morning because of the coffee that I purchased you? I, I'm on fire. Warm up. I am a good you're friend a good person? and co-worker. Mm-hmm. A-Dog texted me at 5 a.m. asking if I could buy him a coffee because yeah. your normal route to work was disrupted. Yeah, right? I got outside. I'm like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> So I went back inside and called an Uber. Yeah. And then you called me 
to get you a coffee. Actually, now that I think about it, you're very entitled. You're calling people to give you rides. You're calling people yeah. to get you coffees. Well, you need me. Old, entitled <laughs> dog. Uh, anyway. And then you bent to his will. You did it. I did it. How oh. was uh, how easy was it to get an Uber? Actually, surprisingly easy. There were, Five in the morning, though, there right? Were, yeah. I, I was expecting I would have to wait a while. No, there was mm-hmm. like 10 cars in the neighborhood. Just Interesting. Chilling. Okay. So we are giving away 32 Thoughts uh, live show tickets. Last time this week, reminder, the show is at Wicket Hall. Check my style, Wicket Hall. Uh, Victoria, Thursday, January 18th. Two o'clock start. If you can make it and you want to go, uh, Dunbar number text line, 650-650. Send to what we learned. Ticket emoji. Ticket emoji into your text. You'll be entered into the contest. We mentioned it's Ask Us Anything Friday. Also, our playnow.com locks of the week are back. We're going to do those for wildcard weekend. Uh, guest list working in reverse with, really quickly. 8 o'clock, it's Dolly. 7.30, it's Moj. 7, it's AJ. 6.30, it's Nick Shook. Woof. What a start to the show. Okay, without further ado, Laddie, tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Another casual two-goal night for Elias Pettersson. He also tacked on two assists. And the OT winner at 3.05 of overtime to help the Vancouver Canucks win their fourth consecutive game and rally after... 4-3 4-3 win over the Penguins at PPG Paints on Thursday. Before we get into anything, let's just bask in the glow of another game winner for Elias Pettersson. Laddie, fire it up. Let me hear what it sounded like. Here's Petey with the winner last night against Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. Three on one for the Penguins. Aaron Carlson right wing. Centering pass. Herodic broke it up. Here go the Canucks the other way. Elias Pettersson in alone on a breakaway. Pettersson to the forehead. Scores! Elias Pettersson wins it for the Canucks. They're And the Canucks take it 4-3 to three in Pittsburgh. Yeah, this game is mostly about two players for me. Elias Pettersson, as you mentioned, Petey, for obvious reasons, scoring twice, including that OT winner, plus a terrific assist on Besser's game opener. Yep. And really just showed the chemistry of that lineup, uh, showed Petey's patience, his creativity, but also um, Besser's willingness and ability to read off of PD. Uh, he also added a second assist for good measure. And the other guy was Thatcher Demko for making 32 saves on the night, including an incredible sprawling pad save on Sidney Crosby late in the game. Uh, the Penguins did eventually tie the game and send it to overtime, but uh, Sid was really good last night and Sid was feeling it. And uh, Thatcher Demko uh, made a great save off of him and made a bunch of other big saves. Um, yes, JT Miller played well and Besser played well too. And so did Philip Peronik. Um, but Petey, I, I do want to talk about, and we're going to be talking about this guy a lot for what he's doing on the ice. And obviously as that um, expands to what he might do off the ice in terms of a contract extension, he has been on another level since the lotto line was reunited. Is what, four straight? Game-winning goals? That- One more game-winning goal, and he will tie the NHL record held by Newsy Lalonde. I just wanted to get a Newsy Lalonde reference in there. That is incredible, and 
it's going to be real hard for Rick Tockett to break that lineup. And you know how I know that. Uh, Rick Tockett said so <laughs> after the game. He said it's going to be real hard to break that lineup. Probably give him another game. And it makes you wonder how it might affect management's plans at the deadline. We'll get into that later in this segment. Um, do we have any um, Rick Tockett audio on how the team has performed with leads in the third period? Uh, here's Rick Tockett on the Canucks not getting rattled when the pressure's on. Yeah, pretty resilient group. You know, there's moments, obviously, we got to clean up, but I thought, you know, you know, the bench, I, I got to admit, sometimes when the pressure's on us, um, you know, guys aren't getting rattled, and that's good. That's a good thing. You know, uh, um, you know, we want to we stick to our game as, as, as much as possible. We don't want to back in. We just want to flip pucks out, and I think we, we're really good against the Islanders under pressure. I thought tonight, when obviously Crosby's, he was all rolled again tonight. So, um, you know, when you get a, a guy that caliber out there, um, it makes some guys get a little jumpy. Yeah, he doesn't want... He doesn't want uh, the Canucks to just panic and start trying to, as he puts it, flip pucks out. Yeah. He wants the guys to make a play, but there's always that fine balance, right? 100%. It's you kind can't of be like, reckless. I want you to make a play, but, you know, not one of those crazy plays. I always say, it's like, I want you to make a play, just not that play. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to make a better, smarter more defensive play, but don't play defensive. I always imagine that like some player who tries to make a play and it doesn't go off, and he's like, but coach, you told me to keep making a play. I was like, yeah, but not that play. Come yeah. on, buddy. No, you know what? All joking aside, it is, it is tough. Of, it's tough as a coach to um, set that line. Underrated, one of the more difficult things to do um, as a player, but also as a coaching staff, because you need to almost find that unspoken middle ground. It's like, I hate always saying this, but it's like porn. It's like you don't know what it looks like until you see it. You're like, <laughs> yeah. but what, you know, what, how do you classify it? Well, it's not that play. It's not that play. And then when someone makes it, you're like, that's the play we want you to make. Mm-hmm. Because it's true. You can't be a, like a riverboat gambler when you're trying to secure a victory and start taking wild so, chances. Sometimes you do have to do glassing out. But yeah. what, what I think his point is, is... He doesn't want the Canucks to go into a shell. Well, that's exactly what he's talking about. With the lead. He wants them to still play the game. He still wants them to move their feet. And there is a system in place for the Canucks to be able to use their skills to maintain puck possession and get the puck out and handle uh, the pressure. I remember reading an old coaching manual once. I can't remember the name of the author. It escapes me at the time. But the the essence of the message was um, you should, when you are playing with a lead, you should continue to play as though you like deserve to be there, like you've earned the lead, the way that you've played. Men- no, I like that. The mentality- I like that. Yeah, like yeah. you should you should play like you deserve to have it, mm-hmm. and that what you've done, whatever predicated getting that lead, is your your success factors. That's the way that you've been able to get it. Everything shouldn't change simply because the numbers on the scoreboard read in your favor. Like you should approach the game the same way. Now it's almost and yet impos- at the same time it's impossible yeah. to try and do. And yet at the same time, what did we hear from Rick Tockett um, numerous times? The phrase game management. And a lot of that was playing recklessly with the lead yeah. and last now, season, and that's why they blew so many leads. But I think what they would say is like, yeah, but the players didn't really know what to do. They weren't told what to do mm-hmm. because they didn't have a system that was working for them or they didn't have a system. Yeah. <laughs> and now, and this is, I don't, you know, listen, I'm repeating the party line here, um, but... 
I, it's hard to not repeat the party line because, you know, what the, the management has said is like these players are pretty good players. They just need a system and they need to some direction. And once they get that direction, I think the results will improve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have. Well, if you want to talk about learning lessons throughout a season like last night, I thought I thought Pittsburgh was pretty good. I thought Crosby because yeah, they are a good team. Yeah, I yeah. thought Crosby was unbelievable. By the way, that Hart Trophy conversation we we're having yesterday doesn't seem as far fetched this morning as it did yesterday. Uh, he was unbelievable, and I think as a learning lesson goes for the Canucks, you also have to realize that sometimes good teams are going to play good hockey on you. That's what the P- Penguins yeah. and Crosby did. They're going to respond like both the Rangers and the Penguins responded when the Canucks got the lead. But the Canucks were able to hold on and get the victories. And in the case of Pittsburgh, not necessarily hold on and get the victory, but find a way to get a victory when PD scored in overtime. Yeah, because in a really weird way, it might almost benefit the team in the long term to have Crosby have scored that goal with 30 seconds left. Yeah. Because there's the deflation of blowing it. And of course, you're 24 0 0 holding a lead going into the third period, right? So you've got that kind of hanging in the background. But they were able to regroup. There were certain guys that stepped up at certain moments. Demko makes a bunch of big saves in overtime. And then the finish from Pedersen in overtime, like, you got to understand, when you talk about pressure, you're in a do-or-die frame. You're bearing down on a goalie. you got Sidney Crosby, like, chasing you from behind. Like, that is yeah. a lot of composure to have that kind of deke and that kind of finish. I thought you already stopped it at first. Oh, so did I. Yeah. But then you watch the replay, and you're like, he snuck that through mm-hmm. so calmly in these t- the smallest of spaces. Well, what you're talking about in the Canucks having to deal with the adversity of Sid tying that game on the road so the arena's alive and the arena, all the fans are expecting, yeah, well, we just tied it, now we're going to go win it in overtime. And it was actually an entertaining overtime uh, it was back and forth compared game. to some of the overtimes we've seen. Um, that is related to the this team's ability to respond to bad games. You know, bad moments are pretty much the same as bad games. And Rick Tockett was asked about the progression of this road trip. And you remember this road trip, the seven-game road trip, still two games to go. Started with a loss in St. Louis against a not very good team in the Blues. And I don't think the Canucks played awfully in that game. It wasn't a terrible effort, but... It wasn't a win, and it was maybe a game that they expected to win. They had chances. Brock Besser had some glorious chances in the third period to make it 2-1, but instead Robert Thomas was the one who beat Thatcher Demko, and the Blues won 2-1 since then. (laughs) Since then. They go into New Jersey, beat up on a beaten-up team, uh, banged-up team, Devils team, but still a, a place where the Canucks have had a lot of trouble in Newark, they dominate the Devils. Uh, they get a win there. They go into Madison Square Garden. Uh, they score a bunch of beautiful goals against one of the top teams in the league in the New York Rangers. They dominate the Islanders. And that was on the second of a back-to-back. Maybe their most impressive game. And then when they're probably feeling pretty tired, they go into Pittsburgh. And I don't think it was any coincidence that the first part of their game was the most impressive. And then maybe they started feeling a bit of the tired legs in the second half of the game. And, of course, as Halford mentioned, like Pittsburgh's a good team and yeah. the other team is allowed to do some good things of its own. And when you've got a player like Sidney Crosby and when he's playing like he is right now, they're going to do good things. But they found a way to win. So that's after the St. Louis game, four straight wins. And here's Rick Tockett 
on how the Canucks this season have been a resilient team. You know, I think that's been all year where we've maybe had a couple of duds, you know, and we've managed to do something out there to win a game or, or stay at it. You know, like I love the Philly game and then bouncing back. And then um, it seems like we're bouncing back pretty well. It, in this business, you have to have a short memory. And I think that's what this team does. You know, and then the one thing is when we teach them something, you know, whether it's a, a Newton regroup, the next game, they're usually good at that. Or if our D zone coverage is not good, the next game, you know, they'll, they'll correct it. So that's the one thing, the information they're getting. And they're applying it after, you know, things aren't going well for us. But, um, you know, like I said, it's a long road trip and to be uh win four games in a row we're pretty happy now those four games in a row just happened to be the four games that rick tockett reunited the lotto line and mm-hmm. Elias Pettersson seems to like it and a lot of our conversation has been about how um the other players being Besser and Miller have made Pettersson better and made Pettersson more productive and I think there's an element of that for sure but I also think Petey's made those guys better and so Rick Tockett said after the game, it's going to be hard to break this line up. And never think, never going to break them up. I think most Canucks fans at this point would agree. You never know. There's still half a season to go. There's a lot of things that could happen. Um, but let's say those guys are all healthy going into the playoffs, which we can expect at this point. Um, does this reunification of the lotto line change or affect management's plans because Jim Jim Rutherford is now on the record and he he told to Pierre Lebrun this in an interview in The Athletic. I tweeted it out early today if you want to go read it yourself. You were up early working. I was in bed cowering in bed because it was so (laughs) cold and uh, Rutherford said I think as we speak if we were able to add another top six forward that would give us a better chance. So another top six forward, Jim Rutherford, a guy that likes to make moves, and he's probably going to task Patrick Alvin, go find a top six forward. The question is, if you've got the lotto line back together, so you've got Miller and Petey playing together, that's two centers, or at least how it was for most of the first half of the season, does your need change now from, oh, we got to find a winger to play with PD and Mikheyev or PD and Kuzmenko, or we got another fi- we got to find another winger to play with Miller and Besser? Do you now start looking at centers instead of wingers? I think I don't I don't think you should look at it the way that you just laid it out. I think what you have to you should just look at it as a collective accumulative that you're going to add a top six. Forward, I, I think 100% one hundred percent disagree with. I that. think one of the nice things that you have right now is versatility with your groups. Is that you know that you can play uh, the lotto line together. I think that's been firmly established, right? We can all agree that the lotto line can play together. I would not be surprised, especially uh, come playoff time, if he if Rick Tockett has to go away from that group for whatever reason it might be. Sure, be it injury, be it ineffectiveness, be it matchup problems. Right, you might need to alter the landscape a little bit, and if that's the case, then I think that the goal here should be bolstering the group so you give your um, you give your head coach more options and more lineup wrinkles, and that's where he, that's where he comes in. He's a tactician. He's a matchup guy. That's where I stand for. But you disagree? I, I disagree, just because I think where this management group has had success in is they've specifically identified roles that they've needed to fill 
and they filled them rather well. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the trade deadline, um, it's really easy to just chase the biggest name possible. Like, oh, Jake Gensel's out there. Chase him. And That'd I, be good. And, and again, yesterday I was pretty pro chasing Jake Gensel, and I still could be depending on how the Canucks look heading into the playoffs or into the deadline. But I think the most important thing is you need to fill a role. So the question for management is, what do the Canucks need? A winger, center? Um, Do they want a player that can also help out on the penalty kill? Um, Rutherford also mentioned that he's always going to look at defensemen, so maybe there's another D-man that can move the puck under pressure. If they're in a pressure situation, maybe it's maybe they look for another puck mover. I I don't know. Um, but Erickson Eck, everybody's saying Erickson. Eck. Yeah, because he's a great two way center. Yeah, and he's twenty six, and he's a little bit. Uh, he's got a little bit of edge to him. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Henrique down in uh, Anaheim, I think, would make sense. Um, Always knew I, an Erickson would save this Canucks team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to rely or, on those Ericksons. The other name that's out there is Elias. Um, with Calgary, who we can talk about in just a bit, because the Flames are actually playing pretty well. For me, like it never hurts to add center depth. Most centers can play the wing if there are too many centers. Mm-hmm. At the very least, they can play it better than wingers who are forced to the middle. But I think this management group, for the most part, has been good about bringing in players and saying, this is going to be your role, as opposed to the previous management group that seemed to flail a little bit and just be like, we're just going to try and bring in talent and see how it all fits together. And what he ended up with was a poorly constructed roster. Yeah. I mean, I my point to my earlier answer to your question, I think kind of stemmed from the fact that we've seen guys uh, – move up and down the lineup and plug in and out in different positions with regularity this year. Like I think Suter is a classic example of a guy that's, I mean, I I hate calling him a Swiss army knife because he's Swiss, but um, you know, he's a Swiss, Swiss army knife. Yeah. Right. Is that redundant? I don't know. But the, the point being is that he can do different things and play different roles. Now, that's hard to target in an available candidate because you got to remember there's only a handful of guys that are going to be made available at the deadline. I mean, that's the big thing. You're not shopping at the full grocery store. You're shopping in the discount bin, right, with, like, the expired bouillon cubes and all that stuff in the the cart. You know, everyone knows what I'm talking about. Anyway, you're only getting a handful of guys that are going to be made available, so... It's, it does become a part of, well, yeah, we have ideals and things that we really want, but maybe the guy that we're going to get doesn't tick all of those boxes. That's why I think finding just the best available player that you can find at forward, be it a winger or a center, and then play around with some of the different combos and options, right? You can always go back to the fact that when you're in dark times, the lotto line will be there for you. It feels like that that's a tried and true thing at this mm-hmm. point because I'm going to – the the numbers right now, calendar turned to 2024. Elias Pettersson has 14 points in six games. Those are the Nintendo-type numbers that guys get at the beginning of the year. And then we always have those fun, you know, like a guy has four points in his two, first two games, and we're like, mm-hmm. oh, he's on pace for 164 points this year. And then we laugh and clap. But he's doing this in the middle of the season. And, again, on a road swing through the East that is a gauntlet for mm-hmm. every t- – that's a tough – Tough swing, right? Going New York, New Jersey, New York, or sorry, New Jersey, New York, New York, New York, and then Pittsburgh. Those are all really tough games, all really tough teams, and they're all hungry for points at this time of the year, too. So the one thing that we do as media and fans is we tend to focus on the top guys that are going to be available. And can we get Jake Gensel, right? Can yeah, we right. get, uh, you know, it's, all the, it's always the, the top guys that are available. Um, 
I think one of the more impressive things that the Canucks did this offseason was they identified guys that nobody was talking about in Vancouver, and they added them, and they do, they've done really well. Um, an ad like an Ian Cole, uh, Teddy Bluger. Um, to be fair to some of the analytics community, they were talking about Pew Suter, especially when he remains, remained re-signed, but he wasn't one of the top guys yep. in free agency, and um, they didn't break the bank with those moves either. I like where and you're going with this. When it comes to the trade deadline, it's really easy to just chase the biggest name possible. But again, I think you need to fill a role in the process. So the question for management is what do the Canucks need? Um, I think about what two years ago, Arturi Lekkanen added it, yeah, added point. to the abs. Like yeah. Lekkanen wasn't the big name or last year, what Barbashev added to Vegas. Um, there were hardly blockbuster deals, and it wasn't like Lekkanen or Barbashev were lighting it up for their previous teams. Like Lekkanen was a good player for Montreal, and Barbashev was a good player for the Blues, but they were able to come in and fill a, a very important role on those good teams, and they were able to, because they were on better teams, take their game to another level because they filled those roles for those teams. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. That When you look back in the annals of trade deadline history, oftentimes the most pivotal um, pivot acquisitions that uh, result in a Stanley Cup for one team are, are depth guys, are third-line forwards or second- or third-pair defensemen who just fit seamlessly yeah. and provide something that the team didn't have prior to it, right? Like the thing about big game hunting sometimes is there is a redundancy where, yeah, we're getting this like high profile winger, but he eats into somebody else's power play time, or he takes minutes away from a guy that was already going well, right? So it'll be very interesting to see what this group does because you bring up a good point. They have been able to find really good solutions on the cheap so far, and it would be awesome if they could do that going into the trade deadline. You're listening to the best You're of listening Alfred to and the Bruff. best of Halford and Bruff. Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. It's time for 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 Dolly. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. Eight o'clock on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Rick Dollywall from Donnie and Dolly on Check TV is going to join us in just a moment here to kick off hour three. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. I seem to have angered some people by having not been out in extremely cold temperatures in my life. Yeah. 
Now, here's well, what I don't understand. You, you should have just answered. You should have just answered, no, I've never been in really cold weather. Instead of trying to be like, once it was minus 10 in Columbus. Well, I don't think I did that. It's cold. You know it's mm, cold when, when your body shuts down and your brain goes into survival mode. Is he mode? right? Is Big Jerk Face right? Did it come across like that? Yes. That I was yeah. trying to put put that on the, oh, that wasn't the, that <laughs> yeah. was definitely not what I was he, trying to do. I'm very cognizant you of should, that. You should have just been like, God, the coldest I've ever been. It was like Columbus or something when it was minus 10. That's I, how you put it. You're like, I remember being in Michigan for the outdoor class. Okay, then that's my fault. Right. I definitely shouldn't have put it out there like that. I was just trying mm-hmm. to add to the conversation. You know, just trying to create, add some content. And then it was how dare cold. you? Yeah, oh, you're, you're, you're afraid of have, people calling you soft, and you made it worse. Have any of you done the polar bear? How did before? I make it worse? I, I love the text that said, "Come on, Halford, minus ten. Dude's just been sitting on his couch yeah. in Vancouver his whole said, life." Some guy said, "Go." I'm like, that's. Kind of accurate. Yeah, and some guy said, get outside more. I'm like, that's what I'm trying to avoid. Why would you want to go outside? Yeah. <laughs> you should make... <laughs> it's minus 11 outside. We should make Alfred do the polar bear dip one year. Next next January 1st, you're going in the I'm not in the into water. cold temperatures, really. It's well, that's why thing. you should do it, because you're yeah. not into cold temperatures. It's a, well, no, but that's why I don't want to do it. Like, I don't feel like this is something that I really, truly need to go out there and do. But other Experience people, life for once. Yeah, live, man. Jeez. Live. All you do is watch sports. This doesn't feel like... Live. The, but this doesn't feel like the good life, Right. Right. Well, no. <laughs> like, who actively uh, puts themselves in bad situations? You know, that's a that's a Lots good point. People. There's probably there's <laughs> you, probably really? there's, there's probably no one in Fort McMurray that's like I'm living. Yeah, right. The inbox thrill yeah. seeker. Before. This is the best day of my life. That's what I'm saying. Thank <laughs> you. That's what I'm trying to say. The inbox has just evolved into just people bragging about being really cold now. But I don't. But, but or being hold, upset about the Tampa Bay yeah. Buccaneers. We should, but, we should mention Dollywall is on hold, by the way. Right, but hold on, Rick. <laughs> uh, but all, all of the people that are texting in these like savagely cold temperatures that they're in, there's. I, I guess there's the badge of honor part of it. Is that is that what huh. I'm missing here? Yeah, that you went out and you survived it. Like, congrats. I mean, you do that. You You're not a man in, unless you, you've you, gone you, hypothermia. You, you, yeah. you come in a lot of uh, Mondays and you'd be like. Oh, I had the hardest soccer game. I'm I've like, never said that. Yes, you have. No, I said I'm sore. Right. That's because I'm out of shape and I'm trying to play soccer. It's got mm-hmm. nothing to do with the sport. Okay. I'm fully cognizant of that part of it. All right. I don't like your framing this morning and well, in general. I don't like your softness. Yeah. Okay. Go live life. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Should we try and make Dollywell yell a little bit? No. No. Yeah. Yeah. Rick eh. joins us now. Rick Dollywell from the Dollywell. Hi, Rick. Is this the weather channel? Like, what, 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 what did I call the right place? It What's is going not on? the Weather Channel. I don't even if know you what cold two, temperatures feel like. Hold on a second. If you two paid your dues like Donnie and I did, Donnie worked in Dawson Creek. I worked in Fort St. John. Oh, he'll never tell you that, will he? Hey, this is nothing. I got up this morning, got my car. This was like I was back in Fort St. John, minus 20, minus 25. You just roll with the f- – Hopper, you're soft. You're, you're like Henderson. Soft, soft. We paid our dues with a blog. <laughs> wrote a blog. That's how yeah. we paid our dues in, in yeah. media. In a very uh, cold room. And and I want to say the northern people in British Columbia, uh, very good people. They know how to put up with this. If the, anyone in the north was in Vancouver today, they would laugh. They would outright laugh at Halford. This is nothing. Nothing. You go up there when it's minus 20 in the wind chill, it's minus 31. Halford, I'm going to send you to Fort St. John for a week. See how you do. Okay. This is clearly my fault because all I was trying to do last segment, and it's on me because I put it out there wrong. I'm not trying to even remotely suggest that what's going on outside 
is the coldest temperature on the planet. Like, I'm very cognizant of the fact yeah. that there are many people that are far colder. Can we just get that out there right now? I would yeah. like to have that on I the record. I would still like Dolly Well to send you to Fort St. John. Though. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, can I, we make that happen? City. Rick, I know that it's colder in Fort St. John right now. I did not need you to come on here and confirm that for me. I'm very cognizant <laughs> of that fact. All right, Rick, let's get to the Canucks. It is fun to talk about this team right now. Oh, my goodness. Uh, they're oh my winning. Goodness. They're winning in entertaining fashion. They're beating some pretty good teams. The trade deadline isn't even until March, so we've got a long way to go here. Um, but it is possible that Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin work together yeah. to make a move before the deadline. What are they thinking right now? What they're thinking right now is holy smokes. We got you know they should be first over on the NHL standings if Winnipeg wasn't on this heater. Uh, the Jets have won eight straight, right? They got the best line in hockey. They got the best player in hockey in Pedersen. It, it's really hard not to believe this is a legit top team in the NHL. They're giving management very good reason to go out and add a significant piece of the deadline, either a top six forward or top four D. It's called rewarding the team. Send a message to that dressing room. If you bring in a very good player, it sends a message to the team that management believes in us. Now, I will say this, uh, Jason. Some, some want the Canucks to go big at the deadline. Some want some depth. Some say don't ruin the chemistry. And i I, I got to remind you. The Boston Bruins had the best team in the regular season in the history of hockey last year. They went out and got Bertuzzi and Orlov at the deadline. How, how'd they do? Out in round one. Mm-hmm. So Canucks management's got to decide two things. Uh, you know, are they a serious contender? And here's the other one for you. Are they built to win in the playoffs? Go look at St. Louis when they won the Cup, a massive team. Go look at Washington when they won the Cup. Up the middle, there wasn't a centerman under 6-2-6-3. You know, do they have the size up front to compete in the playoffs? If the answer is yes, then go for it. But who can predict the Stanley Cup winner today when the last President's Trophy winner to win the Cup was 11 years ago, the Blackhawks? Mm-hmm. So every year, the team that finishes in the President's Trophy is not winning the Cup. So I do worry about the prospect pool. I'm not going to lie to you. It's finally coming back after years and years of the previous regime trading so many first and second round picks. And you guys know, if you're going to go out there and ask for a top six forward, you know teams are going to ask for Willander, and they're going to ask for uh, Lekaramaki. Uh, but I, I don't think the Canucks do do that. They, they got prospects uh, in Abbotsford they could move at the deadline as well. But the one thing Canuck fans should feel good about is Jim Rutherford as GM, three Stanley Cup winners. He knows whether to go for it or pull back a little. Rutherford's experience in these matters is going to play a big role in what the Canucks do or they don't do. But I think for the first time in 10 years, uh, the Canucks matter again in the NHL in this city. And this uh, fan base uh, absolutely, unequivocally, uh, uh, 100% uh, deserves this. Dolly, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. And this is yep. 100% my fault for putting this guy's name out there. This is pure speculation. Um, yep. But we've talked a little bit about Nils Hoaglander being a potential yep. trade piece. What did the Canucks, do you know? Do you happen to know like how much they value Nils Hoaglander both now and into the future? So he played eight, million, eight minutes last night, right? He shows flashes like, like he did at Madison Square, right? But the consistency's not there. The trust isn't there with Tockett. One week he's in the top six. Next week he's on the fourth line. And then the week after he's a healthy scratch. He has an abundance of, you know, flashes 
where he goes, holy smokes, did you see that? Like the Rangers game. You're sitting there going, why is this guy in the fourth line? He just scored two goals. He should be in the top six. They put him in the top six. Two weeks later, he's back on the fourth line. There's trust issues with Pocket, uh, puck management, playing his own zone, play without the puck, all that stuff. His name pops up. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, I hear his name quite a bit when teams call. He's the one young guy on the roster. What do teams want? They want not just young guys, the young guys that are on current NHL rosters. He's one of them. Mm-hmm. I don't see an issue. I, I listened to you this morning, and by the way, Bruff, I thought you were yelling this morning when I heard you in my car. But yeah. anyways, because you read something. Sometimes I yell. Yeah, sometimes, but yeah. when I yell, you rip into me for like just you go. Okay, you okay, go. Okay, you're starting you to yell on. a little bit. Yeah, yeah there you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. But I'm I'm with you uh, in your uh, argument with uh, Hoaglander this morning. I think he's a guy that if the Canucks needed him to make a deal, I, I, I think they would uh, put him in. I, 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 really, really, really do. I really, really do. Okay, you've listed some uh, names that we're going to go through here. Um, let's start with Jake Gensel because we talked a lot about him yesterday. Yeah, well, uh, it sure sounds like uh, he's going to be available at this year's trade deadline. Rutherford signed Gensel to that five-year, $30 million deal that ends this year in Pittsburgh. Rutherford still loves the player. He loves him. He wouldn't allow, If he didn't love him, he wouldn't have given him $30 million in the first place. The guy's got 76 goals in his last two years, 18 this year. I talked to Gensel's agent this week. Look, he has taken it slow. The deadline's still weeks away. I know everyone's – there's a lot of things that happen, have to happen before Gensel's made available. You know, how are the Penguins in the standings? Uh, you know, are they going to take one last crack at him to sign him? So there's a lot of stuff. So I, I know there's a lot of Gensel talk in there, but it, it, they're taking it slow. You know, they really are. But the problem with Gensel is the cost is going to be high. If Gensel was in Vancouver and you were trading him, you know Canuck fans would want a first-rounder top prospect and a player. Of course, yeah. Yeah, well, so guess what? That's, mm-hmm. that's going to be the price. And then you have to decide not only do you want to give up the assets to get Gensel, but are you signing him in the summer? He's going to get a raise uh, in July 1st. You, he's outperforming his $30 million deal. So the Canucks got Pedersen and Heronik with their hands out for massive raises. Then they got nine UFA players. So if Gensel is a rental... You better damn well go far in the playoffs. Far. Yeah. I'm still a little surprised that he's out there because I think the Penguins no. are, are good enough to make the playoffs. And But if they trade Gensel, you know, they've... I don't know. Anyway, I'm That's just a little eight, surprised that, by it. That's yeah, all. Yeah, his name's out there, yeah. but there's a lot of things that have to be right. happening, I was told, this week before he's actually in play. Okay. Uh, next on your list is Corey Perry. Yeah, you know, you remember when he was cut loose by the Blackhawks a few weeks ago? The yeah, Canucks I do remember had, that. Yeah, the Canucks did not have uh, any interest at that time. I was told as of yesterday the player is currently not on the radar in Vancouver, okay. but everything is subject to change. But as of yesterday, I can tell you they're not discussing Corey Perry in Vancouver. But again, because one thing we've learned about hockey people, they say something one week and they change your minds the following week. Canucks' bottom six has been great. The third line's been splendid. But are you bringing him in on the fourth line? He's got a lot of playoff experience. He's a solid veteran, but where's the fit? Tell me where's the fit. That's the question. Of yeah, after they trade Hoaglander, that's right yeah, in there. That's 
that's the fit right there to replace Oglander. No, it's 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 right now he's not on the radar, but we'll we're definitely going to monitor that. Um, so I watched a bit of the Flames yesterday, which I don't really care to do, uh, but they played really well uh, down in Arizona. They beat the Coyotes six to two. Um, the two defensemen that played the most for the Calgary Flames were Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev. And one of the forwards that had the most ice time was Elias Lindholm. All three of those guys are pending UFAs. Um, We hear a lot about Chris Tanev's name here in Vancouver, mostly from you. Um, I'm starting to wonder even about a guy like Elias Lindholm because if the lotto line is still together um, when the playoffs start, maybe they, or at the trade deadline, maybe they feel that they need to go out and get a center as opposed to a winger, and Elias Lindholm would fit the bill. What are you hearing about Calgary? Well, what you're hearing is they're being patient, and they're being patient. they got to figure out what uh, the cost of acquisition on all these guys is. When it comes to Tanev, though, um, uh, Jason, the Canucks' young core doesn't have a lot of playoff games played. That guy's leadership and a player that is still so very respected in that Vancouver dressing room makes a lot of sense. And Tanev's still got a very, very soft spot in his heart for Vancouver. He never wanted to leave. You you guys know that. I say that all the time. If the Canucks don't get him at the deadline, I think July 1st is a possibility. Several teams, I was told last night, you know, I've never had it described to me this way. Several teams are in on Chris Tanev, I was told last night. Popular guy. The player is so respected around the NHL by players, coaches, and management. You can understand why several teams are in on this. Look at the Canucks' right side last night. Heronic, Myers, and Cole. Well, Cole's only on the right side because he moved over from the left side. In a perfect world, you want a natural right shot there, right? Again, mm-hmm. Tanev's not the only defenseman the Canucks are going after. Gensel's not the only forward. They, they've checked in on a lot of players, but I, I just think Chris Tanev makes a ton of sense in, in Vancouver. I really do. But uh, it's going to come down to, again, what's, what's uh, all, these, all these trades that everyone's talking about. What is the biggest thing is what is it going to cost? to get these guys and do you want to mortgage the future when you know they're finally starting to get guys in the prospect pool after you know it was looking so bleak four or five years ago when when the old regime traded so many first and second round picks hey dolly um i i'd heard you report um that the canucks are gonna take a good long run at trying to get nikita zadorov re-signed but there seems to be a feeling out there that he is asking for a lot uh, especially in terms of how many years he wants. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are the Canucks going to at least drive a pretty hard bargain with this guy and be willing to walk away if if he wants too much? Because they've got other priorities. He's 28, and I think he's him and his agent. Um, when you're 28 and you're going into the UFA market, most defensemen on the UFA market this summer will be 32, 33, 34, 35. Guys like Chris Tanev and Tyler Myers. Myers turns 34 in about, I think, in a couple of weeks or I think next month. Most defensemen um, are, are 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 32, 33, 34, 35. The reason this guy Jason can ask for term is because he's 28. He's not going to become a UFA again. So that's why I think and I believe five, six, seven years is going to be the ask. I was told that they asked for six, seven years in Calgary. That's why talks broke down. So the reason I think he's asking and his agent Dan Milstein are going to ask 
for term is because of his age. Most defensemen, and the other defenseman that's young on the UFA market July 1st is Noah Hannafin. I think he's 26 or 27. So what's Noah Hannafin going to sign for? He's going to ask for six, seven years too. Mm-hmm. I think it's because of their age. The Canucks got to make a decision. I don't think the money on Zadorov's going to be crazy, but I do believe they're going to be asking for term. How much do they like him? Like him a lot. Yeah. Like him a lot. And, you know, I, I said this before on your show, Rick Tockett's fingerprints were all over this trade. He loves the size. Look at the Canucks blue line right now. It's, it's three guys over 6'5". Mm-hmm. There's only one guy under six. It, they're hard to play against. You know, they're hard to play against. And that blue line is hard to play against. And you know what? It's, it's a wonderful size blue line. And, you know, since Tockett's got here, all he ever does is rave about the Vegas blue line. Uh, well, one of the reasons is the Vegas blue line is big and they can move. You know, and this this is what he's now got in Vancouver, a very big blue line. And, of course, they like him. He can drop the gloves. He, he protects his teammates. He, he does all that stuff. There is, they wouldn't have given up a third and a fifth for him, Jason, if they didn't like him. They like this guy. Now can you go out and, and re-sign him and get him uh, in Vancouver long term? Dolly, have a great weekend. Stay out of the cold. And tell Holford to get a toque, uh, gloves, and some long johns. Go to Mark's workwear today and get some long johns. I had long johns at 14 John. They were great. They work. You know what he's going to do? He's going to sit on the couch and watch football. Yeah, you know what I'm going to do? Probably in his underwear. You know what I'm going to do? Not go out in the cold. No, no. Long johns, they work. Bye. Bye, Rick. Long johns, they work. That was insightful as ever. (laughs) I'm telling you, long johns, they work. Been saying it for a long time, you guys. Uh, you are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I've decided that I'm just going to embrace this now, and we're going to keep talking about cold temperatures and the weather. My, I'm going to do what we learned before we go to break, and we should have brought this up with Nick Shook, actually, when we were previewing all of the um, all of the wild card games this weekend. I did not realize that the game, uh, the the night game in Kansas City between the Dolphins and the Chiefs, has a chance to be the coldest ever NFL game on record. Really? Right now, um, the current holder is the Ice Bowl, minus 13 degrees, 48 below with the wind chill. So that's that's Fahrenheit. Yes, these are all Fahrenheit's, by the way. Uh, December 31st, 1967, of course, the Packers and Cowboys, the old NFL championship. Uh, They are saying that with freezing, freezing drizzle, this is from the Kansas City Star. Freezing drizzle? Yeah, I didn't even know that was terrible. I didn't even know it was a thing. Um, this is from the Kansas City Star. Uh, they're suggesting that it could surpass those levels. Obviously, we're going to have to wait until Saturday evening to find it, but it is going to be bitterly, bitterly cold in Kansas City on Saturday night. And it, it, Adam Schefter tweeted out this morning, too. He's got the list of the coldest games in NFL history. <laughs> I think Miami feels about that. Because like, like, they're just... No, I'm not saying that you know none, none of these teams from warm weather climates can ever go into a... like They've experienced that in their football careers. It's just... It's just jarring, isn't it? Well, yeah, like Mike, uh, Mike, what's his name? Mike, Mike McDaniels. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Mike McCarthy. Different guys. Um, I was watching a game the other week when they were at home, and he was wearing he wasn't wearing socks. He had short pants and he had running <laughs> shoes on. Yeah, short pants. I said he was wearing the culottes, but he right. was. But um, and then I was watching Gannon uh, in Arizona mm-hmm. on the weekend when they played the Seahawks, and he he had the same look. And I'm like, it's you know, it's the middle of the winter, and these guys are rocking the no socks look because it's warm what, what, climates. What, what, what do we think of this style where uh, the the pants are the hem of the pants is high? You got to P- coordinate. P- Petey rocks mm. that a lot. Have you noticed that? Like, when, you know how they do all the all the fashion pictures of the players walking in. 
I can always see a lot of sock. Yeah, from PD, he, he dresses a bit like Forrest Gump sometimes. Like he just he's got these pants that that that, that I don't know what the style is. I don't understand it. Coming yeah. up, PD. Yeah, right. PD, you've got a lot of sock. Would you be able to? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on that. For, showing too much ankle for Bruff. Forrest Gump just had short pants. I think these are more like styled. They kind of come in at the, at the cuff. You know? No, they don't know? come in. They they don't really come in that much. Does he have the wide the wide leg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the wide leg with the shorts. They just it, it, how, it, how, top off. How would how if he would, doesn't resign here? By the way, this is why. It, how would people describe Petey's style? Like I, he's stylish. He knows what's going on. Well, okay, but that doesn't mean anything. He's stylish. Well, he knows Mr. what's no going style. on. Futuristic I, yeah. Scandinavian. He's 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 hip. <laughs> he, he knows what's going on with the current trends. Okay. He, but he kind of dresses like how people dressed in the nineties. Like he he's into the the baggy. Well, that's in right. It's now. back yeah, in. Yeah, right. That's what, the yeah. stuff that was big in my childhood is back in. He doesn't have like the super tight-fitted gear that you see a lot of oh, well, players wear, right? He's got the loose, flowing baggy Hey, these stuff. young hockey baggy players, so they right keep now. up to speed with the fashion trend. I could see him yeah. rocking like Wear a, a suit and a tie! <laughs> yeah, that's right. Ill-fitting <laughs> pants are extremely in. I could see right him now. wearing, mm. like, a really baggy club Monaco sweater. Like, and it's like, wow, I used to wear that in the 90s. It's a really chunky those jeans? Doc Martens. Yeah. What, yeah. For, for, like, a cozy night in? Does PD, does PD style cozy? Mm, no, not quite. Because I wouldn't call it like harsh or anything. Well, he's used to colder like, temperatures where he's from. So yeah. it's a little warmer than the usual style. I Cold think. temperatures like minus five or 10. Yeah, like yeah, what you're right. used to, okay. Mike, <laughs> from your back deck. Uh, all right, get your what we learns in and <laughs> your back deck. Ask us anything. Yeah. I've got a quick uh, what we learned. Why don't you moo cow Halford's? He's really on the weather today. I love cold weather. It's um, my favorite thing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we've seen a few blowouts in the NBA this season and there was one last night including um involving. canadian involving uh shea gilgis alexander who i always want to call gorgeous alexander you can go with yeah. quite handsome um the oklahoma city thunder who i hate because they stole the sonics scored 139 points in portland mm-hmm. see portland didn't come close to that they had 77 it was the fifth biggest victory <laughs> in NBA history. Six, NBA 60, scores sixty-two are, points. NBA scores are out of control. Yeah, they look like the All Star game. Like one hundred and thirty-nine points is a lot, but it's not a huge anomaly. We've seen more. Yeah, it's the other team only right. scoring seventy-seven. That's the real problem here. I believe they trailed by seventy plus at one point in this game. Um, and it's funny because the the Thunder, Jason. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. They're on the wrong end of the biggest blow in NBA history. Mm-hmm. They lost to the Grizzlies by 73 right. back in 2021. That's the biggest blowout in NBA history. But that was bad last night. Uh, Portland's a very bad basketball team. That's the other thing that maybe we haven't noticed about the NBA this year is there are some truly horrific basketball teams. Like, there is no parity in the NBA. There are four or five teams that are pretty much going to lose on a near-nightly basis. Right? Yeah. I mean, the well, Detroit, Detroit proved it. <laughs> yeah. They, Detroit had like a no-nut November and December. They just did not win. They didn't do anything. Well, <laughs> it was a dry two months for them. Okay. I'm actually going through pictures of Forrest Gump right now on Google Images. Yeah, people like that comparison, by the and, way. And I'm like, yep. Mm-hmm. It's the Forrest Gump fashion. Yeah. yeah. It was, yeah, he's gumpy. He's gumpy out there. Give us a moo on that. PD is going to request a trade tomorrow. Yes, he will never resign. It's rough fault. What changed? Gump comparison. What changed, Elias? Well, that one morning guy called me gumpy. I clinched it. Yeah, I meant like Gump Worsley, great hockey player. Yeah, it was a, it was a compliment. Yeah. Long John's, they work. Bye. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.